So you probably are familiar with Killian, uh, but just go through his, uh, his amazing athletic resume. He's uh, obviously a world-class trail runner, a, a world-class ski mountaineer, um, and a bunch of other things. He's uh, won three sky running world titles, four ski mountaineer titles. Um, I think one of the big things that sets him off is he's at the forefront of trail running um, in that uh, he's been setting a lot of FKTs, uh, fastest known times on a lot of trails, on a lot of mountains. Um, and those include, a couple years ago, the Tahoe Rim Trail here in, uh, or in, in California, 165 miles in 38 hours and 32 minutes, which included a, a, r- a wrong direction and a few extra miles. Um, he's, he, he holds the records. Uh, he ran, uh, let's see, 528 miles across the Pyrenees in eight days, uh, three hours, 15 minutes. He holds the record for up and down uh, Kilimanjaro, Mount Olympus, Mont Blanc. Uh, he used to, or briefly held, the Grand Teton record. That was broken last year after he did it. Um, and then about a month ago, he set the record on the Matterhorn. Uh, in an amazing, these are amazing efforts, an amazing times. If you think about some of our 14ers in Tall Peaks, I mean, these are amazing times. So he went up and down the Matterhorn in two hours, 52 minutes. Um, without talking about details and mileage, it's a huge, huge effort. So um, that's who Killian is, and, and welcome. By the way, I'm Brian Metzler. I'm the editor of Competitor Magazine. And when I started Trail Runner Magazine in 1999, trail running was not all that. And, and there was great runners and great um, guys going after records and, and all that stuff. But the sports uh, evolved. It's, it's emerged in a lot of ways thanks to the Internet. Uh, it's become more international. And, and Killian's really at the forefront of that. I think, I think what makes Killian really special, though, I mean, the records are amazing. And, and there's many more here I didn't list and all the races he's won. Um, is that he's such a uh, such in, so in tune with uh, with nature, with the environment, and I've been able to run with him a couple times, and, and, and it's just really cool to see him how cool and how interested he is in like the streams that are flowing and the tree bark and things like that, and and I think that probably starts from your your upbringing. You were you were um, born and raised in, in a hut in the mountains in the Pyrenees, and I think that's probably why you're so so in tune with the mountains. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, I think it's very important, like. Uh, if uh, we are running in the mountains, it's, it's because we love the mountains, and it's not because we want to do performance, or of course we, we are motivated for, but at the, at the beginning of, of everything, is like that we love these landscapes, we love this, this terrain, and it's, in my case, it's because I was born in there, I was born in, in the Pyrenees, uh, it's, it's, the valley is pretty similar to, to here, I think Cerdanya so, is really similar to to Leadville Valley, uh, so it's it really you, you are in the mountains all the time. It's uh, really wild. So uh, I was every day um, running in the in the tree, running in the in the rocks, and and my my family they 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 are really conscientious about uh, the environment, about the nature. So we was always uh, when we have holidays to to go to climb some summits or to do some crossings. But it was not to, to do that. It was more about to, to be there. It was more about uh, to, to understand the nature, to understand why the trees uh, grow in these places or not, uh, why, why the rocks are like this in these places or not, why, the, where, why we can drink the water or not. So I think it's, it's a game. It's, it's because we, we can play in, play in the mountains that we, we love that more than, than the performances that then we, of course, we are motivated for that.
And I think it's really cool, and maybe that's somewhere we all relate. I mean, I didn't start really trail running until I moved out here. Um, I grew up in a suburban area, and probably a lot of you did too. But I think what we all feel when we, when we go trail running, whether it's Mesa Trail or Long's Peak or whatever, is that, is that connection. And we don't always realize it, but certainly growing up in the mountains, uh, it was with you from the start. And you were, you were hiking peaks when you were three and four and five years old, is that right? Yeah, it, it was natural. Like, uh, I feel more confident in when I'm in mountains than uh, now here in around all this asphalt and these cars and <laughs> it's easier to be around trees and, and animals and so but uh, I think it's because uh, because that it's it was natural like I, I have not memories about mountains when I was young because it was every day I have memories when I was to Paris sometimes and when I was to the beach uh, some summers and it was wow this is strange and but yeah, I think we climbed the Aneto. It's the, the highest peak in the Pyrenees when I was five years old, on, or the, four, the first uh, 4,000 meters peak in when I was, I think, six uh, years old. And it was natural. Like, if for a kid, it's not difficult if if you go with them. And it's just a game. So it's like if if he can walk from from the house to the school, he can walk to to a summit. It's just to to make. No, it's, it's just to make the, 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 the walking as a game. So I, I was with my, my mother was in the front and was saying, okay, try to, to find uh, this kind of flower. And we was with my sister to running up to try to find this kind of flower. We go back and says, no, it's not this, this flower. This is other one. And, and then she was just uh, trying to, to make all the ascensions uh, as, as a game. So then it's, it's easy for a kid to just play I think that's pretty cool. I think a lot of us uh, probably grew up, if you didn't grow up in the mountains or in the mountain areas, you probably grew up with traditional sports and baseball, football, basketball, soccer, all that stuff. And, and yet, here's this guy, obviously, he's had this, you know, this, this immersions of things we love since he was a kid. I think it's, it's pretty impressive. Talk about how that kind of evolved into to racing. You started ski racing, obviously, as a young kid, and probably your first break when you, you were a young teen. But, but how did you go from enjoying and playing to, to racing? Yeah, this, this is the point, I think. Uh, I, I was really active when I was a kid and, and until I was uh, 10, 12. So when I was 12, I was uh, doing a lot of um, road, road cycling uh, for, for pleasure, for, for training. I was doing some long, long races in, in road cycling, and, but I, uh, I, it was not, not my place. I, I, I enjoyed it, but it was not where I was thinking it's, it's there. So... Uh, I have friends that uh, was in the ski mountaineering uh, technification center in, in Catalonia, so I, I entered there. And I found where where I wanted to to, to be, and uh, it was like uh, during the first year to say, okay, this this the this place where I was playing and where I was feeling confident, it can be also where I can race and where I can um, express myself. So I, I started to, to train like regularly before when I was a kid. It was, I was a lot of hours in the mountain, but without logical. And, and then I started to write, train every day and they make, uh, the, the knowledge about how to train to, to be better. And, and I start with the ski and then all the skiers in the summer, we do some uh, small races for, for training and for be, for keep the, the shape, so I started to, to run for, for that. And once you got into racing, did that change how you felt about things? Uh, certainly, it seems like you still enjoy everything on, on a level that's uh, separate from your racing, but, but did, it, did it start to change anything at all, or was it more pressure? Or? Mm, I, I think it's really important to, to keep the motivation and to, 
to keep the passion. Uh, um, in sports and more in high level, uh, it's it, it can be hard if you think a training as a as a work. Like okay, today I need to, to run for five hours in this intensity, or I need to do that. And this it can be can be hard because your work and and your personal life and it's your body, so it's it's all in the same. And this uh, it's really fun for a lot of time, but it's hard other times. So. Uh, I can't think to do a sport or to do a, a war like that if it's not a passion behind. So if if you can train a lot, it's because you don't think that it's a training. It's I never wake up in the morning thinking, okay, I need to run five hours because I have a rise in two weeks and I need to to increase my level of I don't know why. Uh, I, I I go in the morning, I, I look in the window, it's sunny, you say, okay, today I want to go to the summit, it looks nice, it looks... Uh, Powder is not there. I want to go there, and, and of course, you, 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 your shape it increases. So it's it's about that. I think uh, it's it's much easier to think I want to be in the mountains, and, and then you're gonna be better than just thinking, okay, I need to do that and to do this this schedule and this training for for be better. So you obviously ski racing as a teen, and then also uh, you got into trail running, a lot of the sky running series, which are, are really short and, and steep, uh, really kind of um, extreme races, what we call extreme races, real uphill stuff. You didn't get the ultras till later, though. You didn't get the longer stuff. Talk about your evolution uh, early on when you started doing some of these sky running races. Yeah, when I start um, racing uh, in, I was, I think, uh, 17 years old or, or 18 that I has been doing a lot of ski mountaineering before, and I start in sky running because it's it's the most popular in Europe, and they are the races that I like. That they are fun, they are steep, they are. It's it's more more than to be strong. It's to be to be quick in the in the technical. To to be yeah. To to need to see where you're gonna put your feet and to need to see where you want to go. So it was there that I start and. I, uh, my first ultra race was UTMB in 2008. I was, I think, 90, 19 or, or 20 years old. But, but before that, I have been doing some long, long runs for myself, like Cabais del Ben. It's, uh, it's where, I, where we have the hut. It was uh, a loop around there that it's around 50 miles, and I have been doing until I was 13 years old every year for, for fun. So... I started for ultra running when I was older, but uh, I has been doing for for fun, for training before. So, so a lot of it was came natural to him for being in the mountains and spending time doing long runs. The race he was talking about, the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, is is the race that's now somewhat famous. Uh, it's 104 miles. It goes from Chamonix to Comair, Italy, to uh, Champé-Lac, Switzerland, and then back to Chamonix, um, essentially in in one push. Uh, and there's, I think, 10 peaks in it. Uh, and, and the trails over there, one of, one of the differences I've noticed is that there's a lot of steeper trails over there. There's not a lot of uh, switchbacks like we have here. Parks and Rec didn't make uh, trails over there 400 years ago. <laughs> it, it was goat trails. And, and still, when you're going over some of them, they're super steep and super steep downhill, which is just as bad. But So Killian came to that race in 2008, uh, 104 miles. He was somewhat unknown at that point for that. And uh, tell us how that went, uh, because you obviously did well at that one and and came back. Tell us how that went. Yeah, but uh, I think, uh, or or I win the race, uh, but I was really prepared for, I think, I I was really looking for. In the the start, I was not thinking, I want to try if I can finish or not. 
I was doing a lot of sky races the years before, and I was in, in a good shape. So I think um, it was, or if you run well in, in short, and if you have been doing long trainings, and if you've been in the mountains for climbing and for the mountaineering for long, then it's it's easy to run long 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 distance because normally when you do a a long day in the mountain, it's, it's it can be harder than a, a long distance. So your body it's it's able to do, and of course I was a no because I think uh, or we we look around us but we don't look uh, a bit far away. Like in, I was really well known in sky running world, but like in French trial classical trial running world I was a no. But if you look around, you can see okay this person is good. It's like if. If tomorrow in, in Europe it's a, a good um, athlete for athletics or a good uh, ski mountaineer or a good alpinist that goes there, uh, maybe for in the ultra running world nobody gonna take care. But uh, if you look around, you you can see that it uh, it can be a strong person. One of the things you'll notice is uh, Killian is very very modest and very subtle, and uh, so showing up at this race, which which again is now the most competitive race probably in the world. And winning it uh, is, an, is an amazing thing. And he came back and won it the next two years and uh, probably, I think, still holds the course record. Um, but but it's, it's nothing like we have here except for maybe Hard Rock. And, and I don't think you've, you've been near the course of Hard Rock or you haven't run it. But, but, but it seems like that's kind of the measure there. There's a lot of really uh, uh, big vertical races over there, and that's kind of how it was. And, and to that point, um, Killian came over here for, for one of his first races, which was the Western States 100 in 2010, I believe. And... Uh, right away, he, he, I think he had told me at one point, like, oh, it's too flat, you know, it's too, it's, it's, it's and, and he, he wasn't being... Utimbi, it's flat for, for Europe, Utimbi, it's a flat race, so <laughs> when you think that <laughs> Western State, it's, and, it's and, not flat, it's the, more than that. And there's my point exactly, because UTMB, I've run the course over three days, and it's just not nonstop up and down, and it's a lot of peaks and valleys, but he came to Western States to run Western States and had, had a really epic battle with... Uh, a bunch of runners, including Tony Kapichka, Jeff Rose, uh, was later captured in a film by J.B. Benna. Um, but he, he came to that race and, and dealt with a lot of things. It, it was a flatter course, and, and, and to that point, it wasn't his, his best kind of course. He's obviously known for big, big, tall mountains and such. But talk about the Western States, maybe in 2010, kind of how it went, what you experienced, and maybe what you learned from it, too. I think it was one of the, my best experiences because... Uh, uh, we were running a lot with, with Tony and with uh, Jeff, and it was really, really fun. With, we were talking a lot, and it was uh, really nice to, to share with, with them all the race. And, and then after, uh, I think, the, the mile 65 or, or at 30K to the finish, I, I started to have cramps in all my body. So it was really hard to, to finish. I, I just tried to... to to, to work and it was cramping all my body, so I, I fell down. I, I just to, I tried to stretch a bit to, to start walking, then to start running. And after maybe five minutes, uh, they was cramps another time, so I, I fell down another time. And it was hard to finish like that, but, but it was really nice because. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's nice, like in the, in the way that you learn. I think when you, when you win a lot of races or when you are. In, in a good position in your, in your goals all the time you, you, you don't learn because okay everything is good everything is good and it's in the, these moments that it's a bit hard that uh, you, you want to do a thing but it doesn't work that uh, is there when 
you come back after two days, you start thinking, okay, what I need to do to, to, to improve, what I need to do for, for next year or for next races to, to don't happen. So maybe it was drinking a bit more water and take a salt and, and train maybe more in the, in the warm conditions. So is, this is the nice thing that when the things don't go uh, like as you, as you expect, is, is there when you can learn. So it was things the, the best experience. So that year he finished third um, and obviously struggled with cramps and such in the heat and uh, came back the next year and won it um, and uh, obviously retooled himself and, and kind of refigured out his hydration plan. Uh, Solomon made some gear especially for him. Uh, Adam, what are they called? Where's Adam? Yep. What's, what's the name? The handheld piece that Anyway, they made a handheld hydration piece that fits right over the hand, kind of like a, a Nordic, uh, a Nordic uh, pole, and they basically have those right in his hand. So, you know, that's part of the, the evolution of the sport, too, the gear, obviously, the trails and everything else. And uh, um, so with all that, he went back and he won it, and, and obviously uh, it was an epic race uh, once again. Um, I guess getting back to the point, though, you had mentioned at some point that trail running was, was different uh, on your first impression here than it was in Europe. In Europe, there's a lot of, obviously wide range of races, but it's pretty intense. It's pretty, uh, everyone's there to race. Um, a lot of excitement on race day, and I think here your first impression maybe wasn't that um, when you were at Western States. Yeah, they, it's really different. I think the, the trail running in, in Europe and in America, it's, it's the same as uh, the, the races are in the mountains, and the people that race uh, love the mountains and love running, but uh, I think uh, in Europe they are maybe like bigger races, like uh, much more participants in, in every race. Uh, the organization are more like, um, more big uh, in, 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 yeah, in making uh, all the, 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 the medias and the, and the organization around. And the races are more, more steep, or, or at least in, in, in Spain and in Italy particularly, they are much more technical. And maybe persons are more or a bit of the, a big part of the, the competitors are more, uh, yeah, competitors more looking like uh, just in the race and they are more like, like that. And, and in America, the, 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 the races are like flat or you can say that it's flat because it's a bit of elevation, but it's more like, a, like that. But uh, the, I, I love more the, the spirit, like uh, people, it's also for, for the, the, the first runners, the dead runners, they have, they are not just looking for 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 the position and for the race and for the try, but it's more um, a convivial spirit around. So it's this is it's, it's different, but it's it's nicer. I think one of the cool things about uh, trail running in Europe, uh, both for shorter events and for ultras, is that it, it's a really uh, kind of ingrained in the community. It's a, it's a community-wide thing, and the towns that are hosting them, uh, people come out of the woodwork, and, and so. Uh, not just UTMB, but UTMB for sure. People, I mean, thousands of people are on the street, and there's music playing, and it's a big deal. When anybody comes in, either the winner or the 20th place guy, it's like this huge celebration. And, and that's true for the shorter trail races as well. It's a big festival. There's a lot of heritage behind these races. And, and certainly there are races like that here, but anyone that has raced there and here, um, even, even Pikes, Pikes has a great following and, and, and people at the finish, but, but it's nothing like, like it is in Europe. And that's that is what it is. It's not saying one is better or worse, but certainly I think that was your impression uh, when, you, when you came here. Yeah, sure that uh, uh, when you rise in Europe in the, in the bigger races like uh, UTMB, of course, but 
also the gamma in Spain that it's a short race or or all the races in Italy you can have like thousands and thousands of spectators and it's a lot of people that don't practice the sport and they are there because they they follow the sport and of course when you go to to western states and you think okay this is one of the biggest uh, trail running races and then at the finish line it's like uh, yeah the, the the friends and the parents and <laughs> it's it's nice but but it's it really a di- it's a different yeah it, it's different i i think um uh in europe maybe it's more races too because uh, uh it's the limitation of the participants it's it's higher like you can have 2000 or 3000 runners in, in the race but then it's it's a lot of people in the in the villages that go out to, to see the races and um then I think here we go a lot in, in wild uh, places that it's more difficult to, to access to, to to share to the race. So I think it's is that that makes that it's less people looking here too. And to his point, uh, you know, just as Parks and Rec didn't make the trails over there, they, they, they don't have permits over there either. So there's not uh, the bureaucracy that we have. We know that we can't have a trail race more than 300 people or in this town at all. Um, uh, but one of the things that has changed, I, m- I mentioned that I started uh, Trail Runner in 1999. Um, it was, uh, certainly there were a lot of good runners uh, all over the world in, in running trails, a lot of great races. There wasn't very much international um, competition or organization. There, were, there was uh, a few races, but certainly in the last five years especially, uh, there's been kind of an intermingling of lead athletes going all over the place. And so our American runners, uh, you know, the Jurex, the Rose, uh, Max King, guys like that, are going over there to race, and, and people are coming over here. Ryan Sands won, uh, South African won Leadville a couple of years ago. Um, there's a lot of international internationalization of the sport, and, and I think that's mostly good. Uh, maybe give you your impression of that because it's definitely changed in the last three or four years. Yeah, this is really important. I think this is more in ultra running. Like in sky running, I remember like 10 years ago that it was Mark Carpenter going to, to Europe to race in, in Serbia, and there was Bruno Brunot or, or Ricardo Mejia coming here to, to race Pikes Peak. And, and other races, and in ultra running, it was more more local, and I think now it, it starts to be more international. And this is really really fun, first for for us because we like to 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 race with with other strong runners. So it's really fun to 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 travel and to go to to races where it's a, a big level. And, and I think it's nice to to see the different the differences about the trail running in in the in different continents and different countries and. And to take the the good things and and to to try to to make in in your place. And uh, as you alluded to, obviously uh, Killian's been all over the world, uh, certainly with the help of Solomon. But but I think you might have the best gig in the world, the best job in the world, right? You can run wherever you want and go all over the place. And yeah, this is, this is the good thing that you travel a lot and and you <laughs> and you visit of a lot of places. The bad thing is that sometimes you you travel for one for four or five days. So. <laughs> Like now, we was coming here in, in Tuesday, and, and we're going to go back in, in Sunday, so uh, it's not uh, much time to visit, but sometimes we, we can spend more time, yeah. Um, so a couple of years ago, I certainly uh, I mentioned some of Killian's records, um, and he's been a mountain guy all of his life, um, and he's been doing peaks all of his life, but a couple of years ago, he started this program called The Summits of My Life, which has been essentially a personal quest to run fast on a lot of the biggest peaks in the world, um, and essentially set, set records. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, Mont Blanc, uh, uh, Olympus, Matterhorn, Kili- uh, um, Kilimanjaro, uh, Grand Teton, which amazingly someone broke 10 days later. 
So let's come back to that. Uh, have you ever thought about uh, Long's Peak or any of our other mountains here? There's a lot of 14ers here. They are really nice. I, I have been doing Mount Albert uh, fast too because Bruno tell me. And uh, Long's Peak, it's, uh, it's really nice. I have climbing for, for some time. So I, it's like Teton. It was not planning. We was just there and it's the summit. So you run fast and you try to go. And, and I think if, if, uh, I want, if I can spend more time here in, in Colorado, it's nice to, to run fast to the summit. So they are not, I think, uh, like the summits like Mont Blanc or Matterhorn or, or Denali, they need a lot of preparation because it's technically not easy and the conditions. But the, the good thing of, of summits like the 14s here and is that technically they are not difficult, so you don't need to... to too wide for, for, the, for the perfect conditions, so you can attack uh, and try all the, uh, a lot of time. So this is the, the good thing here. So maybe next time I, I come to Colorado, I can have more, more time for, for running. Um, what he's saying is the 14ers are flat. <laughs> and, and he means that in the best way. Uh, to his credit, uh, when, I, when I saw him over in Switzerland, he had just come back from one of the test routes he was doing on the Matterhorn back in uh, August. I think you made eight scouting trips up there uh, before you actually went for the record, and I think you probably lived in a van or something like that. And uh, I mean, I mean, we talk about like you know dirt bag running or dirt bag climbing. I mean, uh, that's what he's all about. I mean, he's there basically to live and to run. And and, and you were obviously uh, being smart about it and, and, and testing the mountain first uh, before going up and, and trying to trying to run the record. Because I mean, a lot of if you saw the video, a lot of what he's running are, are ski routes and scrambling routes and climbing routes, which that's a lot of different running, obviously, but but. Talk about that and maybe the danger factor. Yeah, Matterhorn was really special, I think, uh, because it was, or I think for alpinism, is is one of the mythical mountains. Is or in Europe, you you are dreaming about this mountain if you you have a, a alpine la, uh, background. So, and I remember I have the picture of Matterhorn in my room when I was children, and when I start racing, when I start the ski mountaineering. Uh, it was Bruno Bruno when he broke the record, and it was wow! This it's impossible. It's uh, I saw the video of Bruno running there. It's like uh, I want to do that. Not not the record, but I, I this is the motivation of of this sport. Is the 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 maximum of this sport to run a kind of mountain like Matterhorn in just uh, with with running shoes and just uh, moving fast there. It's it was really inspiring. So it was. A lot of years, and I, I was afraid to, to, to arrive to the day to, to attack the record because it, it was, yeah, I think it's my main goal for, for, or the thing that I'm more satisfied about my running career is, is this Matterhorn because it's physically, because Bruno Brunot was really, was really, really strong. He, he, he break a Matt Carpenter record in Monterber. He, he beat a, Matt uh, and, and Mejia in a lot of races in Europe, so physically he was really strong. And he was growing this mountain all the time. He was climbing, I think, 35 times before I uh, tried the record. And it's, uh, it's not just physical, but it's, it's technical. It's not a difficult uh, way. It's like a, a four-class uh, climbing, so it's, it's like um, a bit more than scrambling, but but like a hard scrambling, we can say, but it really exposed. Like you have for maybe 3,000, a bit more than 3,000 feet, you are in a, in a thin ridge that uh, it's a bit of snow, it's a bit of ice, and it's a lot of rock, and, and you can't have a, a bad step because you, you fell 2,000 meters down. So 
it's it's really important to 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 be conscious and to to know exactly where you want to put the feet and how many risks you want to take is okay if i take a bit uh, if i jump here or if i climb down i how many seconds i can win i can win 3 seconds or i can lost uh, this so it's really important to to be in a in a bowl and, and just to think about every movement and this is the nice thing about about uh, the records in Mont Blanc was less technical because it's just a glacier but it's a bit it's a bit the same to to try to to understand the mountain to in Matterhorn I was climbing like I think nine times before the, the two weeks before the record and it was not just to, to check the road it was important to know exactly where I want to go and where I need to, to climb fast or where I can glide and where I can jump but it was important to understand the mountain to show okay if it's a wind from the north it can, it can say that it's going to be maybe more ice in the north part so if I run there uh, it's going to be yeah I'm going to glide and I'm going to fall and if it's wind for the south maybe it's going to be warmer in the north so in the north it's going to be not ice so I can just jump and I don't going to glide so and a lot of things like that about the rocks. If it's uh, colder, maybe some parts of the rocks are going to be more solid. If it's warmer, it's going to be more lost rocks. So it's try to spend time in the mountain to understand how it works. I think in Mont Blanc was a bit the same. Like I, I, I climbed Mont Blanc, I think, more than 50, 60 times in the last five years. So I know really pretty well this mountain. But um, I, I needed to really climb conscientiously the month before to see, okay, at what time exactly there's not going to be as hard to, to climb fast, but as, uh, as soft to, to can glide down in the, in the ass and, and, and don't have pain or don't glide faster. So it's, it's really important. Or the nice thing about the records, not the record day, it's, it's the time that you spend the mountain to, to try to understand the mountain. And this is the, the thing when you beat the record that says, okay, it's, it was nice this, this way to hear. And, and to his credit, I mean, certainly these are things I would say don't try this at home, right? If you saw the video, I mean, uh, certainly running over snowfields and up uh, scree fields and what he calls an easy class four scrambling, I think it's easy to some extent, but you're not, you know, most people aren't doing uh, 3,500 vertical an hour um, going, going over those. I think, you know, it's, that's the difference. Um, but, but uh, you know, watching Killian run, he, he uh, has both a very playful kind of um, demeanor about him, but he also has uh, amazing technical skill and... Uh, and balance and strength, and so to see him run over any given trail is, is an amazing thing, and certainly that comes from the experience um, of doing it. I mean, you can't really, you know, if someone asked me years ago, oh, how do you trail run? I said, well, just go out and trail run, right? And the more you run Mesa Trail, then the more you want to run Green Mountain or something like that, and you, and you develop the skill for that, but I guess that, I mean, your experience out there is what is your biggest asset, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, I think if to, to run well and to, to, to run in the trials well, it's, it's just to, to spend time in, in, in the mountains and, and just, okay, try to do different things. Like here in America, it's difficult because you need to, to stay in the trail. But in Europe, the good thing is that you can go away the trail so you can improve your technical. Like, okay, you go to a rock and you can climb there and try to go down there and go to the snow and try to, to do different things. And it's, it's going to... I, I have a, when we were children with my mother, we, we do a thing every every night that was after the the dinner, when it was dark, we we was uh, with my sister and me, uh, just uh, 
uh, in winter with, with boots and in summer just uh, in barefoot. We was in the forest and we was walking not far away from the hut but just 20 minutes and we was, when we was in the forest we was without light. And my mother says, okay, now you go back home. Uh, and, and the first time she was afraid we was going to, to my mother and try to, to help the safety. And, and more and more we was taking our, our, our risk and going, okay, I think home is going to be there because when we was going there, the wind was in this side or, or the, the ground it was like this. Or, and also if it's an, uh, night, uh, a dark night, uh, you can see things. You can see some shadows, the, the trees and things. And more and more, we, we was confident in being in the night with our light in the in the forest. And I think it's the same in the mountains that you need to go a bit away of your or your safety or of your confident place to to, to improve and then to to see uh, uh, to see not just the shadows but to see the the trees when when, when it's dark. I think it's pretty cool. I, I wonder how many people would be uh, confident uh, being dropped off in Indian Peak somewhere and then t- with no light and, and said go back to the trailhead, right? I mean, on a dark night. I mean, that's, that's kind of the equivalent of where, where he was living. Um, okay, so summits of my life. Uh, I think you got weathered out from Elbrus, right, recently, last week? Yeah, this was good for the acclimatization because we was at 5,000 meters all the time, so for, for here it's going to be good. But uh, the conditions was, was pretty hard. We was... Uh, yeah, we, we spent four or five days there and it was snowing a lot, uh, more than half a meter where we were, so it was difficult to, to go fast up. And then it was really cold and, and windy, so uh, it's important to, to take the safety. When I was 300 meters to the summit, the last attack, it, you say, okay, it's 300 meters, it's not far away, I can put 20, 30 more minutes, but then you need to, to think about going down. And like, uh, I know, like, when you start to be frozen, your fingers uh, lose the sensibility, and this it can be good for like three hours. It's not problem, but then it can start to be dangerous. So I was calculating a bit uh, how much it was, so we decided to go down because it it couldn't start to to be dangerous. So and this is nice that uh, w- w- if we are strong, if we are in good shape, and we prepare well. It's not we that did, we decide. It's the mountain, and, and this is the good thing that uh, we're gonna come back there and we we do uh, we, we spend a super nice week uh, with the local persons that they are amazing. They this is an extreme race. Like they they have uh, two races a year from from the village to the summit of uh, of Airbrus, and they are not rules. Just uh, it's one person, one marshal down saying, "Okay, you go," and one marshal up there with a thermos of tea say, "Congratulations," <laughs> and. And you saw that the conditions are hard. It's a lot of wind and it's, it's uh, cold and you need to know about mountain and every participant is like that. So we, we spend a lot of time with this pe- person that was nice. And then we, we do a nice travel around. Uh, from, we, we drive from, from France to, to, to Russia and then back. And this it was the nicer or the harder and the nicer part of the adventure too. So, so France to Russia and back, that's like us going to Moab and back, right? I mean... Yeah, but, but Ukraine roads are not uh, as <laughs> here. That's probably true. Uh, so possibly Elbrus next year, and uh, I've heard talk of uh, Everest in, in 2015. Talk about that. That's, a, that's a, obviously a pretty big undertaking. 
Yeah, or Everest is really far away. I, I, I can't think now about, about that. I can't think about Aconcagua or maybe McKinley that be, going to be closer, but Everest is really, really far. We, we start to, to practice. We was this winter in Himalaya to, to, to start to be, to train in, in the altitude at, the thousand, at 8,000 meters and to try to, to understand these mountains, but it's, it's too much far away to, to think about now. I can't imagine what kind of up and down time you'll have on Everest, but uh, I, I'm sure we'll all be pulling for you. Yeah. Uh, bring it back to Colorado. You said you're up uh, on Albert. Uh, did you do massive at all, or just just Albert uh, over this past week? Uh, no, the, this this past week we was uh, just uh, for when we we came here in Thursday. So we were running. I, I ran in the last 50 k's of the race, and then yesterday we was in in Mont Democrat, I think. So it was fun. And, and it snowed a little bit up there. Is that okay? Uh, is there snow on the course, or? It was a bit of a snow, uh, not much now, but I think tomorrow it's going to be snowy. So <laughs> this it's, it's, for me, personally, it's better huh? because <laughs> it's a lot of road, so uh, at least with the snow it can be a bit irregular. So again, uh, who, who's racing uh, U-Rock? Sweet. Ah. So, uh, so the Ultra Race of Champions, what Good it's called, uh, it started a couple of years ago. It was moved to Colorado this year with the idea of having... Uh, the champion runners from a lot of different races come and, and race at one race. Um, this year's race goes from uh, Breckenridge up and down the mountain a bit to Frisco. Uh, Frisco over to Copper Mountain, up Copper Mountain a little bit, and back down, up Vail Pass on the bike path, and then behind Vail Pass, um, and eventually top of Vail Mountain, down to Mintern, and then back up from Mintern, kind of the Mintern Mile area, if you know that, and then back up to the top of the mountain, and then back down uh, Bomber Downhill, down to the finish line in Vail. So... Uh, obviously, a pretty arduous course, but I'd love to hear your take on it. There's there's some vertical in it. It goes over twelve five at some point, but it's it's not not a not a crazy course. It's it's, it's runnable. It's really runnable. I think the, the the hard thing in this race is that it's really runnable, so it's gonna run fast. I it's not uh, like a lot of elevation. I think it's gonna be in in time uh, the European Championship in in long distance. It was eighty k, and I think it's gonna be shorter here because it's like 20 more kilometers but it's going to be much run- runnable so this is going to be the hard thing like they are running like Sais Canada like Cameron like a Max King that they are really good on 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 running so the difficulty of, of the race is, is that to, to keep running where where you are born and you want to work so. um, is Trent here where's Trent Trent Browning is he here from Polar Running Company uh, he's, he's running it, and I'd like to ask him if he thinks it's uh, flat or whatever. Uh, Trent's a, a, a fast marathoner and everything else, and that's kind of one of the points. Uh, the sport is converging where there's a lot of uh, guys who are fast marathoners and then becoming, uh, becoming trail ultra runners. So, so Sage Canada is an example of that. Sage and, and uh, Trent were both uh, sub-215, 213 uh, uh, marathoners, which is pretty fast. They were with the Hanson's program, and then uh, they each got into ultra running. And, and so that's kind of the, the difference of what, where the sport is going. You've got pure mountain guys. Uh, Dakota Jones, another pure mountain guy from the U.S., um, but they're merging with these guys that were fast, fast um, roadrunners. And uh, here comes Trent here. So, Trent, I'm going to put you on a spot. So, uh, we just talked about the course at UROC and Trent, Trent Brownie, everybody. And so, the, no, the notion that uh, obviously the course is, is somewhat kind of uh, has, has uh, appealing aspects to both sides, but I, I guess you tell us about the course. Uh, Killing was saying it wasn't all that steep or, or it was more kind of flat, I guess. <laughs> and, and he's a road marathoner turned ultra runner. 
So to clarify, you want me to talk about the course? Okay. Uh, I'm undertrained going in, but uh, I'm going to go out and have a great weekend. You know, I think all of us that are ultra runners um, or runners in general, we appreciate uh, where, where we run. And uh, to be in the mountains and uh, competing with like-minded people is really exciting. Uh, to be in Breckenridge, Vail, Colorado, Mount Sanitas over here. It's, it's all really awesome, so we're all pumped about that. Uh, as far as the course goes, uh, if those guys go out really easy, please, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you at uh, like 25 miles, and we'll see what the road guys can do, maybe. Uh, if we've trained enough, maybe we'll be able to keep up at that point. Um, otherwise, the mountains are going to be a test for us road guys. Uh, myself and Michael Wardian are two road guys that you know, have been in the Olympic trials a number of times. Uh, Cameron Clayton, who's back there, um, he's quite a fast guy from Boulder here, and uh, he could probably race me in a marathon and take me pretty well. So, hi, Cameron. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good test uh, for road guys and mountain guys. Um, it'll be really fun being, for me, even though I'm a road guy, my background, it'll be really fun to climb up out of Frisco and uh, it's an ore category climb. So if you think the Tour de France, it's the steepest stuff. It's a 12% climb. And uh, once you get up that, I guess there's a nice little ridge line that we get, that we get to run along. So I'm really pumped for that. Uh, the visual of that should be really awesome. And uh, hopefully I have some company to run around. Uh, yeah, Kelly, hopefully you'll make it uh, up there to run with me some. I decided if I'm dropping out, because uh, sometimes that happens in tough races, that I'm going to turn around and go find Kelly on the course. Raise your hand, Kelly. Thank you, Trent, and good luck to you as well. Um, part of the point of that was, part of the point of that was in the U.S. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, there's international running that's coming here, um, but in the U.S., uh, trail running is becoming that, especially here. People that had a road background, done a lot of marathons want to do ultras, now they want to do other things. And certainly uh, Trent and Sage are at the, at the sharp end of that in terms of being uh, competitive, but there's a lot of people probably in this room that are doing that, and that's kind of, kind of where things are going. So um, getting back to Colorado, your only race in Colorado was Pikes, right? So Pikes Peak, you came uh, last year to race Pikes, and fortunately you didn't get to race Matt Carpenter because uh, you didn't race, but uh, it was a good field. Um, that was your first time to, to race that. Talk about Pikes Peak, which is an iconic race here, and, and kind of your impressions of how flat that course was. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> oh, it's an iconic race here and, and in Europe, too. I, uh, I'm really friends with uh, Ricardo Mejia. That he, he's, for me, uh, in, in not technical but in mountain running, the best in the world because he was winning Pikes Peak, I think, five times, and he has been winning... Sierginal, that is the most iconic mountain running in, in Europe, five times too, and and I think Pikes Peak it's it's one of the for me the, the three uh, most iconic races in, in mountain running in the world, and it's uh, it's a legend the the, the course and, and Matt Carpenter it's he's a legend he's really really good in 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 mountain running in in not technical but in mountain running he's he really awesome. So I was really happy to, to do Pikes Peak. I, I enjoy a lot the, the, the race. It's, uh, we can't say that it's technical or that it's hard in this, this say that it's a nice race. It's, it's more about the history that it's around that makes the race so, so, so big. 
And uh, is there any other race in the U.S. you haven't done? You have your eye on? I mean, obviously, uh, Hard Rock could be calling your name. It's tough to get into that, of course. But uh, are there other races you would like to come over here and race? Yeah, it's, uh, you say, uh, it's Hard Rock. I, it's going to be the third year that I put the, the, the lottery. I hope this year it's going to be in. Uh, there, there are a lot of races. I, I, I see also more marathon in Alaska that it's a super fun race. It, it really looks like a European races, so it, it can be super fun to race that. And, and then we're going to keep trying to hard rock. So hard rock's really tough to get into. Obviously, there's a raffle. It's uh, 100 and some people every year. And uh, there's supposedly no favorites. So if you, if you, I think the way it works, if you lose the lottery three times, I think you... Get in on it much, but totally yeah, sure. But, <laughs> yeah. but we'll, we'll find out. So that would be kind of cool. Uh, the race you talked about in Alaska, the Mount Marathon race, which is uh, I think three miles total. Uh, it's in Seward, Alaska, on the Fourth of July, and it's an ungodly vertical up and down. Um, uh, I think Ricky Gates, if he's here, was second this year, right? Yeah, second. Um, but but it's a crazy race uh, to the point that you know people fall and, and you know fifteen or twenty feet off off these cliffs. They're just basically running over and. Um, so that would be right up your alley as well, I think. Yeah. Um, so getting back to U-Rocks, it'll be a big race uh, on, uh, on Saturday morning, uh, 7 a.m. There's also a half marathon and a 50K out of Vail. But uh, a lot of top uh, runners from here that you might recognize the names. Uh, you know, Dakota Jones lives here. Sage Canada lives here. Uh, Cameron Clayton is in the back. Um, uh, Ricky Gates, who has lived here in the past. Trent. Um, just a lot, of, uh, a lot of strong runners from Colorado, from, from Boulder especially. But it'll, it'll be a pretty good race. I mean... Uh, you know, again, 100K, 62 miles, that's, you know, if you know that terrain, it's like, gosh, in the ski season, you can't even drive there, you know, it's like, but, but, but these guys are going to run, you know, from, from Breck all the way to Vail like that, so I think that'll be pretty cool. So, I think for now, we'll open it up to questions, um, and uh, we'll have that for a bit, and then we'll have a book signing, and uh, kind of go from there. So, I can't help but notice that there's a lot of good ultra women, women ultra runners that hardly get any attention. Like, you just named, like, ten runners that are running this weekend and didn't name one woman. So, <laughs> uh, Ask him if he knows about Emily. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Do you speak so, Swedish? <laughs> so, Killian, I was just going to ask you, what, who's the woman's answer to you? Who's the up-and-coming woman's answer who's going to play the marketing right to get the attention in the movies and the, um, in the ultra-running world? And to your point, I mean, certainly uh, Boulder and Colorado have a lot of great uh, ultra women as well, and, and certainly uh, Darcy Africa, Chrissy Mail. I mean, there's, there's a lot of great runners right here that we see all the time on the trails, so, so my bad. Oh, no problem. I just wondered who Killian saw as the up-and-coming yeah. female ultra runners who might get the same kind of attention yeah. that you and Anton and other, pe- other men yeah. are getting in the, in the sport. I so. think this is, uh, and I think in ultra running it's, it's really close. Like, uh, if you see uh, the, the difference in percentage of uh, men's and women's in, in short distance and in long distance, in long distance, really short. Like, it's Emma Roca that is, is, she's from Spain. She finished third this year in UTMB. She, she made a, a study about, about that. And, and I think in ultra running, in, it's really possible that a, a woman once wins a race in front of all the, the men's. I, I was looking in UTMB this year and Rory, uh, Rossi was doing an awesome race. It was so inspiring. She was seven in the, in the, in the finish line. She was racing clo- really close to Timothy Olson, to, to guys like that. So it's, it's really inspiring, I think. Uh, uh, Rory in ultra running or Emily Forsberg in, in more technical r- r- races or 
Anna Frost, uh, Lizzie Hooker. They are a lot of, of women, like uh, in Spain too, Nuria Picas, that uh, last year she do an awesome uh, summer, I think. Uh, um, or the sport, it's start growing now, so uh, it's a bit... Uh, Young for 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 having a lot of people, but uh, I I hope in in two three years it's gonna be as big in women as is, it can be now in in men's. In, in uh, back, oh, sorry, in, in back to that. So uh, Chrissy Mail, uh, an American who now lives here, uh, she won UTMB twice, um, and, and there's been certainly a lot of women that have definitely uh, emerged like that. Um, the point about some of these uh, quote-unquote superstars of the sport, certainly the Jureks and Kropitschkas, uh, they've certainly earned it, but that is a good point. I mean, there could be uh, more exposure for women, but there's definitely a lot of top, top women out there now. Uh, you talked earlier about some of the races uh, on your radar in Alaska and Hard Rock. Are you familiar with Nolan's 14? And if so, is that something you'd be looking to tackle as well? It's longer. <laughs> It's, I need to, to find a lot of motivation because it's different to find the motivation to climb the Mount Herbert that is like, okay, it's going to be one and a half hour. But to find the motivation to be 60 hours, it's, it takes time. So why not in the future? But <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a record that was set a bunch of years ago in 58 hours. I don't know what the record is now, but it's a pretty amazing thing. Imagine doing 14, 14ers in a row, up and down, up and down, um, you know, and living to tell about it. So I know you said before that you don't really plan, you know, your training, you get up in the morning and say, oh, it's sunny, I'll go run. But do you have a coach and how much do you plan out your training and what pace you'll run at every day? I have not a coach uh, now. I, I had a coach uh, when I was 13 to, to 17. <laughs> and, and during all this time, I, I learned about how to train or to don't, more than how to train, to don't do stupid things. Like uh, before I... I do sometimes like seven, eight hours the day before rest, so then I learned this is not a good thing for the day before. <laughs> so during all these years, I, I learned a bit the basics of training, and then I, I studied the university, uh, the sports science, or like physiology, anatomy, all these things. So I, I don't make a plan, but every day when I'm going to the mountain, I, I, I know what I do, or I can understand my body, and and I can be more attentive and to understand what, if I have a bit of pain there or if I, I'm a bit more tired, what's the reason behind? So it's about these studies that I can train more like uh, just enjoying and then to understand what, what happens. Hola, Kilian, de Barcelona, molt de gust. So my question is, like, uh, how do you manage all, your, all the injuries you've had during... I mean, trail running is not, like, healthy, like, running, like, 100 or, miles or, you know, or more. Like, yeah. So what kind of injuries you've had and how do you expect to be, like, in 10 years? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cannot teach good because uh, uh, I, I had never a, a running injury until, until now. I, the only big injury that I have, I, I broke my patella. Uh, uh, in 2006, and it was because it was in a city. I was coming back from the school, and I jumped from a street to another, and, and I, I fall bad, so I, I broke my patella there. And then uh, I have some injuries skiing because I, I fell, like uh, you, you see in the, in the video, and some falls in the ski, they are a bit bad, but never an uh, injury for running, so I, I do it a bit of, of good. I, I hope I, 
I don't want to have, but I think one point is that uh, I, I'm really, yeah, I, I take care about myself in the sense that I, if I start to feel something strange, I, I try to understand what, what happens and I, I, I stop and I, I just do other activities. Like I run for six months, but then during six months in the winter, I just ski, so it's not the same impact. So I think this, it, it helps a lot. Then you, you never know, or they are two, two kinds of injuries. The injuries for the running a lot, that then I think it's more about if you have a good biomechanic and a good technique, it's much more difficult to be injured, and the other injuries is about uh, when you fell, and, and this it's... I, I lost a lot of... Well, not a lot, but three, four toes for falling. I lost... Uh, I have a lot of... Uh, things in my body for falling, so this is a kind of injuries that you can't, uh, yeah, you you can't do nothing about. I, I wondered if you've thought about whether you would use supplemental oxygen for Everest. Uh, no, no, of course no. I, I, I think it's it's uh, it's like doping. I think oxygen in a high mountain is is like doping. It's it's not, yeah, it's it's uh, uh, a help that it's not uh, natural. So. It's the same as fixed ropes. I, if I go to Everest, obviously we don't want to use fixed ropes or, or Sherpas. So, no, but it's, this is it's really normal, I think. Um, alpinism is, is about to, to, to not just to reach the peak, but the way to reach the peak. And it's more important how to do that than the thing we do. So, obviously, for me, or it's, to, it's lost uh, to, to, to take oxygen or, or to take a fixed rope up there. So ski mountaineering is just kind of starting to take off in the States, and it's just kind of seen um, exponential growth in the last couple of years, particularly in Colorado. Do you ever see yourself coming over here to do any races? Yeah, it, it, it was some World Cups, I think, four or five years ago uh, in, uh, in Colorado. I think it was in Aspen. I, I don't remember uh, if it was... Ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I hope it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to come back, the World Cups here. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty in touch with uh, the International Federation, and it's, uh, it's a project to have World Cups uh, in the next years here. Uh, the problem, it was more about the organization, because for ski mountaineering, it's, it's really different in Europe than in America, that here it, it was more free rider before, and in America it was more competition, so... It was a bit different how to organize, but I think with the last years, with other racers that are here and, and persons like Nina Silik, that she was doing a really, really good job in, in Europe and now she's going back to America. I hope she's going to make a good job for, for making more popular the, the ski mountaineering competitions here. And I, I hope it's going to be a good good races here and, and World Cups. Uh, of course, I want to come here more for steep ski because I, uh, I have looking some things that are going to be so fun in, in ski. But, uh, yeah, I think it, it's going to be some World Cups in the next two, three years. Hi, Killian. Um, you talk in your book about uh, running being uh, allowing you to uh, uh, express your creative side. And uh, I wondered if you have a run when you return home that really talks to your heart and your soul and you can't wait to get back home and do that run. Mm. I, I'm really nomad. I think I, I have not a, a home place. I, 
Uh, I has been living in, in a lot of places during all my life. Uh, uh, I, I hasn't been living for more than three years in a place, so I, I really, I think I can't understand well what's home. And, but yeah, for me, running, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of expression. So you, you can play music and you can uh, draw and you can, you can run and you can do sports. It's, it's the thing that we were telling about uh, the oxygen that is not the, um, the thing that you do, but the way you do. And I think for running, it's more about that. It's the aesthetic of the running, it's the aesthetic of the, the way that you go. And every day is different. Like, because the mountains every day are different because it can be snow or it can be more windy or it can be in autumn it's like now that green and yellow colors and in, in spring it's going to be different, more water. So the, the nice thing is to, to see how the mountain looks where you are in this moment, how the mountain looks in this, yeah, in this place and in this moment and to, to try to find the, the good way and to try to f find the most aesthetic thing that you can do in, in this place, in this moment. So it's, it's more than, okay, this is a, a, a static mountain and I want to do that because you saw in a picture this, it, it can't work because you need to be there and to see, okay, the mountain today, it looks like that and, and the, la the, the line that you want to do today, it's this one. And maybe the day after, the condition's going to change and the, the perfect line is going to be another one. So. Very cool, very cool. I think that really comes out of the respect that Killian has for the mountains. A couple of years ago, you told me uh, the mountain is moving, right? The mountain is moving, and I think that speaks to your uh, connection to the mountains and kind of uh, really kind of knowing it and feeling it and, and having a relationship with it. Yeah, or you try to do because uh, more you know the mountain, more you know that you know less than the mountain. It's, it's, this is a hard, it's, it's hard feeling because you spend more time in, in, in the mountains, you spend mon more time in the, in the nature. And the things you, you learn is that uh, it's huge and, and it's so many things that we can't understand and, and you try maybe in a full year life you can understand this of, of the mountains and this is the nice thing that um, it's really it's too, too huge to, to, to understand but the nice thing is to try to understand a bit more and a bit more and a bit more and it's, it's like every relation that you, you can spend all the life with a person but you're never going to know all about this person. So a m mountain, it's, it's just uh, like a, a thousand and millions of persons so you, it's impossible to, to understand about everything. That's pretty cool. I think it's something we can all take away from this. Obviously, when we trail run or when we hike or climb, I mean, obviously... That inherent respect uh, is just integral to what Killian's all about, and it's certainly a big part of what he's become, both, uh, you know, speed and records and all that stuff. I mean, like I said before, I think what makes him special is, is that respect. So I think that's it. We'll wrap it up. We will do a, a book signing and such, uh, but let's give a big round of applause to Killian. Thank you very much.